and welcome to Therapy Etc. Podcast, a bi-monthly conversation where we will be discussing everyday life experiences that create an impact. And when you think about it, in one way or another, everything creates an impact. And therefore, all of these things also encompass mental health. I'm your host, Patricia Alvarado, a licensed mental health therapist and first-generation Latina from Los Angeles, California. To find more information, please visit my website, alvaradotherapy.org. And while I hope you love listening and learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for mental health services. Okay, let's get started. Everyone, welcome to another episode of Therapy Etc. I have a guest here today, uh, Ms. Nayeli Arpiaga, and um, so I'm very excited to have her. So Nayeli, if you could share a little bit about yourself and your background, that'd be awesome. Yeah, hi, thank you for having me. Um, so I, I don't know, I always, I always never know how to introduce myself. I'm an <laughs> LA native, I should probably start with that. Yeah, there you go. living in the IE now, but um, I'm an assistant professor at Cal State Dominguez Hills. Mm -hmm. So that's exactly why I always say I'm an LA native because to make that connection with with people on campus. Uh And I work in the College of Education, the teacher education department. I work mostly with students that are interested in a career in teaching or in schools. Okay. And I'm a former high school teacher. ¿Qué más? And yep. you you recently received your PhD. Let's not forget that the biggest <laughs> news. <laughs> yeah, so that was oh. 2020. I, I, I finished my PhD after six long years. Mm-hmm. And I got that from UC Riverside. Congrats. Okay. So I'm a, I'm a pandemic, pandemic, what are, what are they calling it? Pandemic PhDs. <laughs> so, yeah. Maybe the hardest because you didn't, like you just had to be isolating and probably really mm-hmm. hard to connect with other people. You know, it worked out, I think, perfectly because I needed to finish and I feel that um, the pandemic kind of forced me to get it done. I had nowhere to go. I was at home, my computer, my hands, my books, and that's all I had. So yeah, it helped me finish it. And I had to finish it. I was in a really tight deadline because I got hired before it finished so yeah so in the agreement in the contract they wanted me to be done was it September August no August 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 yeah before the semester starts they wanted me to be done with my degree in August so you know when they ask you in an interview like so do you think you're gonna be done with your degree by you know and you always yes absolutely I will and I honestly I hadn't even I was nowhere near done so then I got the job, which I wasn't expecting to get it. So then I was forced to finish, like, either you finish or you're about to lose, like, the biggest opportunity of your life. So, wow. And I hear that these, these, uh, these jobs are really competitive. Yes, 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 yes. So, you know, I mean, PhD programs are competitive, I think, by nature, like, even to get accepted. Um, they're, they're really competitive. Um, but then to finish a, a PhD, right, like, I think it's always, I always tell people, like, if you're ever looking into doctoral programs, always look to see how many students are actually graduating. Um, and then you'll notice that they don't always have graduating students every year because it's really hard to finish. Wow. 
And on top of that, you might, even if, even if you graduate, um, uh, finding a job is a tenure track job or depending on what you want to do, right? But most PhDs either want to do research at a university or, you know, they want to go back and work for the school board districts or something like that. But for the majority, you know, I would say that are looking for a tenure track job at a university. And so those are really competitive and you have to apply like a year in advance and it's really competitive, but. Good for you, Mujer. I'm so happy for you. Congrats on yeah. all the super huge achievements. Yeah, that was, thank you, thank you. Yeah, so I feel like I never got to celebrate the way I I know, I'm still waiting for la fiesta. <laughs> so, um, I didn't even want to participate in graduation. Like this year, you know how they, the class of 2020 was able to walk. I didn't even want to do that. Like I was so, I don't know, just like me. I felt annoyed because I wish I would have done it 2020. And I feel like that was taken from me and I just didn't want to do it a year later, you know? Yeah, I think but, people uh, share that same sentiment. Just a lot yeah. of things like missed opportunities. And even though you can make it up again or do it again, it's just not the same. Uh, I did um, end up taking like pictures my parents I surprised them because that was also their thing for them right like you're graduating you're the one getting the degree but your parents they have been waiting for this moment right and um, to see their excitement during my defense and um, all of that like they're they're I think their biggest dream was to get to see me walk on stage wearing the um the, the cap and gown and so when I knew that wasn't going to happen, I actually borrowed one from a, from a colleague mm-hmm. and I hired a photographer and I was like, I need to make like this really cool photo shoot for my parents. That's so awesome that you got to um, do that though. I mean, I'm sure that was super special for them. Yeah. 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 So I, I feel like they liked it. <laughs> so I'm curious to know, like, I know that you worked in a high school, but you worked specifically what? I'm not quite sure, but I know that you did work in a continuation, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the yeah. whole experience or did you work at a regular high school as well? Um, so I actually started out at a middle school. It was a middle school and a high school. Um, and then from there, I did that for one year. And then um, I got pink slipped, which is mm-hmm. what happens when schools have to work through their financial budgets. And so usually they have to let go of the first uh teachers that or the last teachers that got hired so it was like myself and my my neighbor my math teacher that was next to me um and so we got pink slipped and then but they're all they always tell you like don't worry in a couple of weeks um you'll you'll probably hear from the district again with your job back like we just need to figure out our finances and sure enough like three weeks later I get a call from HR and they're like oh um we have we have a job for you but it's not at the middle school that you were at I was like, great. And she was like, it's at a high school. I'm like, perfect. Like, I wanted to teach high school. She was like, no, 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 no. It's a continuation high school. And I don't know about you, but I I had never heard of continuation schools. Like, I didn't even know that they were were a thing or that they existed. Yeah, I I heard about it. Yeah, I knew about some people that went to continuation when I was in high school. So I knew a little bit about it. Yeah, and then, but mostly because, you know, we're tracked, we're probably in AP courses, honors courses, mm-hmm. so like, we never, we never, you know, you never hear of those kinds of options, um, but yeah, so that I didn't know, I, I learned as I, I accepted the job, what they were, 
but right away I knew that um the lady at HR was like you shouldn't take that job like you should just go work for another district like those schools are not for you like you look really young like I don't I don't think that's going to be a fit for you and I was like why like why is she telling you this uh-huh. but then I learned that continuation schools have like this really um, bad stigma uh, really negative stereotypes of, of being schools that are like considered dumping grounds over oh. like problematic youth that are not successful in traditional school settings so um and so a lot of the re- like the the stereotypes that you hear is like oh they serve they serve the girls that get pregnant and get kicked out of school they serve um the students that fight um the students in gangs the drug dealers and so it, it's not it's not it's not that I mean sure it happens but it's not that's not why they're there right they're, they're there to kind of help students recover their credits so um, students that were not on track to graduating um, they go to continuation schools and they're able to pick up their credits a lot faster because they have different programs different schedules to kind of help them get there um, but yeah I mean you're also working with youth that have been um, uh, recently like let go of like juvie camps and different facilities and centers and so traditional schools don't want them there so then they'll they'll tell them like you know what go enroll at the continuation school so yeah I worked there for about five years oh wow when they told you it wasn't going to be a good fit yeah yeah and and don't yeah I mean I I I, it was definitely my my most challenging teaching experience Mm -hmm. so far um, I probably went home crying like three out of the five days. I never uh-huh. cried on campus, but I, uh, you know, in my car, as soon as I would get into my car, I was like, ah. <laughs> what were some of the hardest things that you, that you were witnessing or going through? You know, um, so the district where I was working at, um, it's a district that is, um, serves like a, a fairly mixed um, population of students in terms of like their racial demographic. Okay. And so, and I knew that because I taught at a middle school, right? And so in that same district, but then at the continuation level, it was all majority Black and Latinx students, mostly okay. mostly uh, male students. Okay. And so I was like, what is going on? Like, why are they ending up here, right? And so I was noticing that. And then... Um, I mean, there's so many things that I don't think anyone gets trained as a teacher to to deal with. I mean, there was issues of like, there was drug dealing, a lot of drug use in class. That was probably the hardest thing, like learning how to like, if you see a student doing something, like what, what, what do you do, right? Prostitution. Right. I mean, like really heavy stuff that. Um, wow. I would, I didn't expect those parts in a continuation. Oh, like I remember seeing there was a fight once and then a gun just flew out of the student's uh, like pocket and he had it in his jean or something. Oh my um, and it's like, you're in the middle of all that. Like, how do you respond to that? Right. So yeah, it's kind of like you learn as you go. So now you are a college professor and it's a different kind of tough. Because you shared with me this email that I'm like in awe and you're telling me, you told me earlier that it's not the first time. Yeah. People always ask me like, oh, what do you prefer teaching? Do you prefer teaching 
high school or do you prefer teaching college Mm -hmm. and you know or like what's harder right high school or college and it's well they're they're both they both have different challenges now the challenges are different because now you're working with adults many times uh, and then I mostly teach in the graduate programs when I taught at UCR um, I, I taught in their graduate program and so now I'm also in a graduate program but I also teach some courses for undergrads. <clears throat> and so because you're working with adults, sometimes they're a lot older than I am. And so there's a lot of like power dynamics in, in, in the classroom. And, uh, you know, you're working with, depending on where you're at, right, you're working with a lot of students that, you know, come from, from money, they come from wealth, or they feel entitled, they feel privileged. Um, they want to, they, they treat you as if you were, you're there, you're there to serve them, like literally like a servant, like, give me what I want, or I'll get you fired. Um, and so, well, this is what this email said, it said, fire her, I want her fired. Ah. <gasps> I was, when I was reading it, I was in complete shock. Like, I was literally like, with my mouth open, like, I cannot believe that somebody would send a professor that email. So just for those listening, the email was basically they weren't happy with maybe the approach or style of the class. And they were literally saying she's the worst professor ever, fire her, like just being really inappropriate, a lot of like um, profanity in the email. And I just can't ever imagine, ever imagine emailing a professor and telling them that. Like, it doesn't even cross my head, cross my mind to ever do something like that. And I was so shocked. Well, the thing is that that's just, that's just through, through email. Like they actually do this in person. Like that's even worse because it's like, all right, I don't feel safe right now. Like, I don't know if you're about to attack me or, but, and I've had similar instances. Um, But so I, I teach mostly in, um, so I teach in the teacher education program. And so one of the core classes that they have to take, and I, I would say this is true of every credentialing program in the state, maybe in across the nation, I'm not sure. But here in California, they all have to take this, this required course. That, that's Every school calls it different, but it's like a diversity class mm-hmm. um, where you're supposed to talk about race, gender, class, um, you know, issues of immigration and, and social status and uh, uh, generations and um, so like different aspects of a person's identity and how all of that intersects Mm -hmm. Um, because you're going to be working with you know different types of students different you know and so Mm -hmm. we want to make sure that those teachers are able to to address those needs and so it's a required class and so a lot of times um, it's faculty of color that get hired to teach those classes because either you have the expertise you have the knowledge or because you know the older white tenured faculty they don't want to teach that class like they want to teach whatever they want they let or they want faculty of color to teach those courses and so I knew that when I got hired that they were going to want me to teach that um and so because it's a required class, that means that not everybody wants to be there. Not everybody wants to talk about race. They don't want to talk about class. They don't, you know? And so for a lot of students of color, this is nothing new. Like they know about it because they lived it, they experienced it. 
know about the inequities and equality in schools. And they know they're relating to the, to the material. Yeah. So on the one end, I have my students of color who are like, yes, like, that's exactly how it was like for me to go in school in the hood, or that's exactly what happened to me, you know? And then there's the, the, the white folks who didn't go to schools like that. And they're like, that's not true. That's not, that's not what it's like. That's not what schools are like. Right. Wow. So in, in a lot of these courses, um, and, and, and this is not something I say, this is literally what's in the literature, what, re- what research says is that a lot of times white students feel attacked in this class. Like, even though you're not saying, you, Patty, you are privileged because you didn't, you know, whatever. They, um, they feel like you're talking to them, like you're talking about them. And so um, their response, like for a lot of them, it's to shut down and not to want to participate in class. They'll stay quiet. And then there's those students that, and this is exactly what they mean by white rage, right? Like they get angry, like they get so offended. Um, and and they want you fired. They don't want you to talk about race and in school, wow. you know? Um, and so. Lately, how do you respond to this? Like, you know, if somebody's approaching you in class or sending you an email, like, what is your response in these situations? You know, I feel like I'm still learning. Um, and because not everybody experiences this, right? Like, um, I can't just go to like my tenured faculty for advice because they're going to look at me like, well, I've never gotten emails like that. I've never had students do that. And then it yeah. may seem like it's about you specifically versus like mm-hmm. the topic that I'm teaching mm-hmm. versus what you're teaching. Right. You're, if you're teaching math, like it is what it is it is what it is no one's gonna have a problem with that right Uh um but if you're talking about black lives matters in schools then someone's gonna feel like oh you're saying this about me I I think what I've been doing is just going to like other faculty of color other women of color and then the sad part is that they say the same thing like look at my emails look at what they're saying about my classes and it's really sad you know because there aren't any like protocols um, I feel like everyone's just trying to wing it, like trying to figure out how to respond to that. Because one, if it's unsafe, I'm not going to respond to it, right? I'm going to let you calm down if it's in person. Um, but if it's through email, well, then you just gave me evidence that I can forward to the dean. Um, and so there's been incidents where um, students have their they face like like serious like disciplinary um issues like either they've gotten kicked out of the program or whatnot but it's a lot of more work on my end right like it's a lot more labor that goes into like now I have to fight this now I gotta show this to the dean now the dean wants to talk to me now they want to take me to another department they want to know what's going on and so the higher you go up in the ladder the more white people that you're going to be talking to and so for a lot of them this is all also new to them but I think I've been very fortunate in that every dean that I've been sent to to go talk to they already knew what I was talking about I'm like look I'm teaching these classes and so you know white students are not always as um accepting uh, of the topics and they're like oh we know we know sorry sorry you had to go through this like we already know and so wow um either having other faculty of color like just help me like 
you know, they're mentoring me, they're guiding me. Um, but usually this is at the hands of administration, right? Like it shouldn't come down to me to try and fix this. This is not a Nayeli problem. This is a, this is an institutional problem. This is a systemic problem. We see this, we see this happening across teacher ed programs and not just teacher ed programs, but like even other graduate programs where we see them teaching CRT, critical race theory. Like mm-hmm. we're seeing a lot of students who who want to um, assert their their privilege, um, and they'll want you to they'll demand you to change the syllabus, to change the topics. It's so unheard of for me because I feel like when I was in graduate school, it was like this is what I'm learning. That's it. But I guess because in my upbringing, it was very much like you kind of do what you're told. And that, that was, or like the teacher or like is the authority figure, the, you know, um, the principal is the authority figure. These people are in a place of authority. So I never was like questioning. And I mean, good and bad, I guess, right? <clears throat> a situation like this, I can't imagine emailing a professor and telling them, can you change the syllabus? No, and the thing is that, I mean, I always tell students, like, you should, you should question, like, what's being taught. If there's a problem, you should bring it up, you know, to your professor and not play into, like, the respectability or, like, the power dynamics. Like, yeah, if if there's something that you don't like, like, you should be able to have those kinds of conversations with your professors and your teachers and educators. But I think the difference is when they, they want you to change topics because they're uncomfortable because they feel targeted mm-hmm. um that same student that emailed me that um early in the semester last semester she um she told me she was very uncomfortable in my class that she hated my class because um because she didn't like that it was coming from a latina perspective oh, so okay. and so it's like how do you what do you want me to do like what <laughs> do you oh do you want me to get another professor to come teach the class like do you mean a white professor are you comfortable with white professors is that what you're trying to say and so like I don't know I mean how do you how would you respond to that like someone tells you they're not comfortable with you because you're Latina like yeah I I have no idea it's hard and so that conversation like I always just try and stay calm like you know I'm still getting paid you know I'm not I'm not gonna do what I would probably want to say what I really wanted to say was drop the class like you don't have to take the class like bye girl bye girl bye (laughs) (laughs) but I don't you know I'm not tenured yet so I I have to wait I think those are the kinds of things I could say once I get tenure but for now, all I remember just asking her questions, I'm like, oh, have you never had a Latina professor? She's like, no, 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 I'm not, don't call me racist, don't call me racist. I'm like, I didn't call you racist. Yeah, but I know, I know where you're going with it. It's like, it's just that you just want to talk about Latinos in schools. And like, that's not true. Like, what you're saying is not true. And I'm like, actually, we're not just talking about Latinos and we're talking about different populations of students. Um, but also living in LA, it's inevitable to bring it up when we are the majority. Who are you going to teach? If you want to teach in LA, in LA USD, you're going to teach predominantly Black and, and Latinx youth. Like, and you want to be a teacher in this context, but you're not comfortable having a, a Latina professor. 
then I, I might just have to make a recommendation that you're not, maybe you're not fit. You're not ready to be a teacher, um, you know, given, given the context of, of our schools. And especially with a school like um, CSU Dominguez Hills, it's, uh, I feel like it's very diverse. It's in a community in Carson, right? It's in Carson. Where, where it's a lot of like black and brown, primarily, primarily brown, right? People yes. that, that live there. So it's interesting that they're going to that school and yet this is a perspective that they're coming. The reason why I wanted to work at DH is because we are the, the most diverse Cal State. And um, I, I know I already knew because of my experience at UCR where it's predominantly, well, undergraduate programs are predominantly either at Dominguez Hills or even UC Riverside. They're predominantly like students of color, mm-hmm. but graduate programs, and that's where the data looks a little bit different right right it it doesn't serve predominantly um uh, students of color so in graduate programs um that's where you see more majority white students and then depending on the department right but the teaching force is about 80 percent white across the nation so obviously there's a huge disparity there right between who the teachers are and who the students are and so we've always there's always been a push towards getting more uh teachers of color in the field but, um, and Dominguez Hills, you know, thankfully has more students of color, but, you know, definitely not, not at the same level as undergraduate programs. But yeah, I, I think I, I did make that same observation. I'm like, interesting that even in a program that has more students of color, um, my attention, my focus, my time has to be spent trying to attend to the needs of that one white or two students who are pissed, who are angry, who are crying, Patty. Like they they feel like I just put them on blast or something. Like it's 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 crazy to to experience. It's probably it's probably the the least enjoyable part of my my you know my my job is having to to do that because I'm still learning to I hope that you can work with that. Them. I hope that in these experiences that they are able to be like, okay, I get it. I hope <laughs> they can have a little bit of insight that they can look into themselves and, and be like, okay, maybe I need to learn about this more or work on this or something. You know, and then there are some occasions where there'll be like, the, where there will be students who say, oh, this is the first time, you know, we talk about um, immigrant youth in schools and, um, you know, the inequities that they face. Mm-hmm. and so there's that but then there's those are like I don't I don't want to talk about it why are we talking about this I'm so uncomfortable like let's talk about something pretty and nice and it's like no that's not how it is that's not how the world works exactly. especially with everything surrounding Black Lives Matter and like mm-hmm. the Asian hate that was happening yes yes just, uh, just in the most recent there's so many more but just in the most recent you know past year yeah, well, yeah. um so Nayeli, how do you take care of yourself when all of this is happening, when you are getting these emails and then the dean is saying, yep, sorry, but also, yeah, that's how it is. How do you take care of you? Because you still got to see the student in class. You might even see them in other classes. Yeah. How do you take care um, of yourself? I, You know, so one of the things I was doing was just not reading um, because we get uh, student evals at the end of the semester, right? And so I just 
didn't even want to read those because I already knew that even though 90% of them were going to be, she's amazing, she's great, she's the best professor, da 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 there's going to be that one that's just like, F you, F, you know, F this, I hate her, fire her. And so all it all it takes is that one message to kind of ruin, for me at least, to kind of ruin the, the other pretty messages that I received. And so I was starting to just like not read those, but I don't think that's the right approach, right? Because I have to have to read them to kind of improve my practice. Right. But that was working for a while. And so um, you had to like, or maybe even opening them when you're ready, like when you're emotionally, mentally, like in the space to do it. Yeah. I also have like a, like a happy file next to my inbox. And I put all the, you know, sometimes like you get those emails from students that are like, oh, I wanted to share a picture of me in the classroom. Thank you for helping me be the teacher that I always dreamed of. And so I'll keep those saved. And when I'm getting these hateful emails, like I'll open these and kind of remind myself of my purpose, the reason why I'm in this field. Um, And I have a lot of pictures too of like, me teaching uh, at the continuation level mm-hmm. those always bring me joy and um, I always say that the reason why I pursued a, a PhD was because I wanted to provide answers or responses to to what was happening to them kind of helped me remind myself like why I'm in this but other than that what else do I do I know you like dessert I love dessert. That's really not a healthy way. <laughs> um, no, just like plugging out, I think. Just plugging out, watching TV. Yeah, just watching it. Trying to get your mind off of things. No. So what, how many classes are you teaching right now? The semester just started, right? Yeah, I just started. Um, we teach, um, the first two years, we teach three classes. And then after that, um, you have to teach four. So Cal State's are teaching university, so you get a, a heavier teaching load versus a, a, a research university where you have to do more research and less teaching. So overall, would you say that you enjoy teaching at the college level more or at a continuation or high school students? Well, you know, I think that what I miss now is um, obviously we're working through Zoom, so it's not like I get to interact that much with students the way that I, I was able to in person. But, you know, I think at the continuation level, as hard as it was, the kind of love you get from your students is just, you know, unimaginable. They, I mean, if they don't like you, they're, they're not going to like you, but they love you they love you like they I remember getting like um pastelitos from like quinceañeras like they they went on a Saturday and by Monday they're like oh look miss le traigo pastel and it's like oh you know I'm not gonna eat that but thank you so much Um, you know just things like that and um at the college level I think it's it's a little bit different right um but hopefully once we go back and then I also haven't had a chance to uh, as it, in this new role that I'm in, I haven't had a chance to work in person. Everything has been through Zoom. So oh, that's right. Because you started, when did you start? Last year? 2020. Uh-huh. So I still haven't seen my office. Um, I haven't, I've, I've only met my colleagues through Zoom. Wow. 
Well, yeah, <laughs> this is already my second year, so I still feel pretty new. Uh-huh. But hopefully, like once I'm in person, it, it'll start to feel more like. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when you mentioned about like your students in in like high school level, because I remember like in high school hanging out in my teacher's class, just just yeah. chilling there, just like yeah. you know she's eating lunch, I'm just like hanging out. Yeah, and those are like really good memories that yeah. that I that I had. Like a lot of um, a lot of influence to go to college came from my high school teachers. Yes. Um, motivating me to get into certain do uh, take certain classes or do certain activities so it sounds yeah. like you were also motivating those students and within the uh, within the high school level as well yeah like I think that I, I I for sure miss like my lunch my lunch being shared with students even though you know teachers get like 20 minutes to eat and go to the restroom and do what they gotta do and while we're attending to the students are there <sighs> um but you miss it. You yeah. end up missing like the after school time. They used mm-hmm. to come hang out. Um, and in college, like students, you know, especially at the Mega Cells, they're, they're working, the working class students, they have jobs, they have families. They don't get to just chill after class. Sometimes mm-hmm. like five, 10 minutes, they, you know, but for the most part, they're on the go. They got to keep going. They're trying to take their classes. They're trying to take care of their own kids. They have jobs. So it's a lot harder to kind of make those same connections. And then you don't see them every day the way that you see your high school students. Right? Oh, that's right. Maybe just once a week or twice a week or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, Naeli, I want to thank you so much for being here um, and sharing your story, just of kind of how you started and where you are now. And, and you know, it's I'm so glad that as a Latina, you are you are in this space because it's not very common you know all of my professors and you can probably relate to this they were the majority were probably white professors and you know really trying to relate but it's so different when you have like a somebody that you can really truly relate to and share some of those similar experiences so I'm really glad that you are representing out there oh, for our, our uh, Latinx community uh, thank you for having me and you know just doing my part <laughs> I love it Well, uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. If you have any questions for Nayeli, then um, please reach out and I can connect uh, the two of you. But Nayeli, I want to thank you so much for being here. It was a pleasure uh, talking to you and having this conversation. Thank you. Likewise. All right, everybody. Take good care. Bye. Thank you for listening to Therapy Etc. I hope you were able to gain something new from today's conversation. And if you enjoyed what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend and be sure to provide a review and rating on Apple Podcasts. If you have a topic you would like to learn more about, send a message and follow us on Instagram at Therapy ETC Podcast. Thank you so much for being here. Take care and be well.